Hello, I'm Dr. Scott Wadier. And I'm Tommy Welling, and you're listening to the Fasting for Life podcast. This podcast is about using fasting as a tool to regain your health, achieve ultimate wellness, and live the life you truly deserve. Each episode is a short conversation on a single topic with immediate actionable steps. We cover everything from fat loss and health and wellness to the science of lifestyle design. We started Fasting for Life because of how fasting has transformed our lives, and we hope to share the tools that we have learned along the way. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Fasting for Life podcast. My name is Dr. Scott Weiner, and I'm here, as always, with my good friend and colleague, Tommy Welling. Good afternoon to you, sir. Hey, Scott. How are you? Doing fantastic, my friend. Excited for a abstract conversation today. So we'll unpack what that means, but we're going to look at a study that came out in 2015 that looked at a whole host of another studies, and it was looking at intermittent fasting and human metabolic health. First and foremost, I want to welcome all the new listeners into the show. Welcome to the Fasting for Life family. Welcome to the Fasting for Life lifestyle. You want to hear Tommy and I's bona fides. Don't worry, we will not bore you with them now, but we will encourage you to go back and listen to the first few episodes about why we started this journey, how we ended up here, how we lost our weight, how we've maintained it. And uh, hopefully you dive in and find some value in what it is that we're doing. And uh, we really enjoy it. We love bringing you researched lifestyle, nuance-based conversations every single week with one or two clear defined things that you can take away to put into your day-to-day life and your health journey. And secondarily, Shout out to the long-term listeners. Thank you for your feedback, your encouragement, and continuing to be on this journey with us. Please feel free to drop us a review. We like the five-star kind, of course. Love them. Love them. Love them. Tells the podcast gods that we are doing something right and with delivering value to all the listeners. So we are going to continue to bring you episodes weekly. And this episode today is coming out of the Journal of Academy of Nutrition and Diet And this was from August of 2015, and it is a hosh posh, dare I say, okay? (laughs) It is intermittent fasting in human metabolic health. And I was like, oh, I wonder what this one is about. And it starts off with the basic definitions of what an intermittent fast is. What is IF? And what are the benefits? So it's going to look at a whole host of hypothesized fasting regimens that impact health outcomes, okay? Yeah. Complete alternate day fasting, modified fasting regimens, time restricted feeding, which means just limiting the time you're eating, right? So your basic definition Mm -hmm. of fasting, religious fasting, Ramadan fasting, (laughs) other types of religious fasts and everything in between. So yeah, there's not many type of fasts that we haven't talked about up until whatever episode this is, 140 something, right? 1.6 million downloads. Thank you all for listening. You know, a lot of stuff. And we always seem to find a way to continue the conversation because the research never stops and the application consistently changes. So when we look at fasting, we look at the methods, there's all these different types and we want to unpack some of the nuanced in between kind of like, all right, well, this is good. This didn't really work. This makes sense. And how it matters to you. Like, what are you going to do in your fasting journey, that's going to get you the quality of life, the confidence, the identity, the weight loss, the health that comes with that, that you've been searching Mm -hmm. for, especially if you're coming to fasting for weight loss related issues or blood sugar related issues or disease reversal, Mm -hmm. you know, concerns or motivations. 
Yeah. And speaking of that, like in this particular article, this is a heavily, heavily cited article because if you just Google fasting, you may run across this article or another one of like, you know, just a handful of them that took into account like large meta analyses where Mm -hmm. they brought lots and lots of studies in so that they could basically talk about the whole gamut, the whole wide range of outcomes of potential impacts and fasting regimen variability and all these kind of things like health outcomes of interest in this article are changes in weight, metabolic parameters associated with type 2 diabetes, cardiovascular disease, and cancer. And we reviewed all of these other major mechanisms. And it's like the list goes on and and several of the sentences here are like 100 word sentences that that just keep going, you know, so so we can kind of shine a light on some of the confusion, some of the misunderstandings that we see, but that can start to um, shine a light on why some things work, why some things work better if you just do them a little bit more or a little more consistently, which is an important kind of step in really moving the needle or changing the trajectory that you're looking to change. Yeah, if you look at the reference section here of this article, there's 69 references and it's all like, you know, things from the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition to, you know, the fast diet, you know, looking at references from there, the book and studies in Hebrew language, Palestinian archaeology and biblical exegesis. I don't even know if I pronounced that right. So (laughs) looking at different, you know, religious type fasts and, you know, alternate fasting in non-obese subjects on you know, body weight, composition, energy, metabolism, and it just randomized control studies and, you know, studies that look at fasting and exercise and carb restriction versus daily energy restriction and TRE, time-restricted eating, right? Yeah. And it just keeps going on and on and on. And the point is, is like zooming into all of these individual scenarios, there are cool little things that you can take away from each one of these studies, furthering the benefit for fasting right? And Mm -hmm. they even say in here that a lot of the studies that have been done are done in rodents, and that just doesn't translate, right? So we want to look at human studies. We want to look at studies that are looking at normal to overweight adults, right? We talk about fasting as preventing disease and blood sugar-related conditions and comorbidities that come along with that. Yeah. And middle-aged, obese, young men, young women, you know, all across the spectrum of demographics, And the cool thing is, is that in each one of these situations, there's little takeaways. But if we group them all under the umbrella of fasting, then there is a massive benefit that if you're on the fence or you haven't really been sticking with it, the encouragement is you're going to get the benefit as long as you just stay consistent. And we'll come back to that in a few minutes. Yeah. Do you think that the consistency piece, like, did you ever try fasting before and like find it hard to maintain consistency or like didn't know why you would want to take your consistency to the next level? Well, I did fasting with keto at one point. And I found that it was, it worked for a while, but then it stopped working. Mm. And we've done multiple conversations on keto and, you know, ketosis and ketone production and the keto diet. And it's really up to you and the individualization of what you want to choose as the way you want to eat while you're fasting. True. The other consistency piece that comes up for me during this conversation is what we hear a lot about is people trying fasting 12, 14, oftentimes very popular 16 or 18 hour fasting. And and sometimes it's effective for a little while, but then it just kind of stops working. But I mean, we've heard from a lot of people and I've talked to a lot of people who said, yeah, I did the fasting thing. It worked for a little while, but then it just stopped working or it doesn't work for me anymore. Or maybe it lowered my metabolism. 
or or did something else like I don't really know why it stopped working. So and this article really kind of gets to the heart of some of those things by encompassing these different fasting methods and showing that there are reasons behind why some methods work better than others, mostly because some are actually better fast than others, or there's more consistency built into them, which leads to better outcome measures too over large groups of you know subjects in these in these research articles. Yeah. So when we look at some of them, you know, and they've reviewed a bunch here. And they looked at, you know, everything from Medline to PubMed, looking at the different terms and the definitions of intermittent fasting, fasting, food timing. Yeah. And there's inclusion criteria include randomized control trials, non-randomized trials, male and female, different biomarkers, right? So when we start going through the different studies and we start looking at some of the benefits, some of the studies are relatively small. Eight men, eight female, eight men, 2010, 31, 23. Mm-hmm. you know, uh, 107. So I love that the aggregation of this is here and they all fall under the different categories. And we've talked about some of these individual categories before where some of the pitfalls are, right? Like the five, two fast, right? Right. Where you're going to eat normally for five days and then restrict for two days. Mm-hmm. Well, that seems very inconsistent to me, right? Yeah. I don't know if that's going to move the needle, right? So when we start looking at some of these, there's, there's some things that stand out. And overall, the takeaway is in these small little microcosm studies where they're looking at small groups, different techniques, you see benefits, hmm. right? So then yeah. if you are going to stay more consistent with your fasting schedule than these individual situations, then you're going to get a greater benefit. Yeah. So. They did in one study, healthy non-obese men, 15 days, alternate day fasting, 20 hour fasting intervals. They saw a decrease in their blood sugar. They saw a decrease in their leptin. And there was a non-significant, not statistically significant result when it came to insulin Mm. for some of your inflammatory markers. And I'm like, okay, well, you got a healthy non-obese male and you're doing 15 days of alternate day fasting, yeah, I wouldn't expect there to be a big decrease in your insulin because you probably don't have an insulin problem at that point. But the cool thing is, even just in that population, you still saw a benefit in your blood sugar. Yeah, yeah, good point. So they're starting to move the needle, but it's almost like they were looking for something for uncovering of or changing a problem that really wasn't there yet. And then, you know, like the, the same thing on the, the next alternate day fasting with, with non-obese adults. Another one, this one had a non-significant glucose impact, but a significant insulin impact. But again, non-obese adults in a small sample size after 22 days. So alternate day fasting is like, it's scratching the surface here. It's starting to move the needle, but it starts to get even more interesting when we start looking at the, the groups who have a little bit more weight to lose the overweight adults with asthma, let's say. And then we start moving the needle on HDL, on triglycerides, on tumor necrosis factor, you know, various markers here that start to come up. But I I think it's important to note that how long you actually went through the fasting protocol is going to matter too, because how much change can we actually have over a matter of like two weeks? or three weeks, you know, where in, in my mind, if I'm really starting like some some major overhaul, a big lifestyle shift, I really want there to be a noticeable difference very quickly. But what 
what works a lot better over time is starting to make some smaller changes and then just getting better at them, kind of building over time and then watching how I can make small changes that really start to add up like in a big way when I'm consistent with it. Hey, y'all, I wanted to take a second and tell you just an incredible story about an amazing company that we've come across recently. Um, and now they are a sponsor of our show. It's airdoctorpro.com. You can head to the website, use a promo code uh, fasting for life to receive up to $300 off. But most importantly, uh, my little guy, my two-year-old has not slept consistently through the night uh, since he was born. We have tried everything you can imagine. He is our third child. And we're just like, what is happening? So we have gone to great lengths, time, money, and effort to figure out um, how we can help him sleep. And uh, the reality is uh, we were pretty much just resigned to the fact that this is how it's going to be until we put the Air Doctor Pro in his room. And I am not joking when I tell you the first night that we put it in his room, he slept through the night. The second night, slept through the night. Now we're up to 35 plus days that he has slept through the night. He has only woken up two times, rather than two, three times a night, two times in the last 35 days and counting. And we are just so incredibly grateful. The reality is uh, we had a feeling that it was something that we were missing. And the indoor air, air that we breathe is two to five times more polluted than outdoor air these days. In some cases, up to 100 times more. We spend 90% of our time indoors. And we take 20,000 breaths a day. So what's the solution? an air purifier, a cut above the rest. I'm not going to lie. We have tried others. We've tried other HEPA filters. We've tried other air filters. We have spent the money and they have not done the results that Air Doctor did in literally the first day that we put it in his room. They filter out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants. That includes pollutants such as allergens, pollen, pet dander, dust mite, mold spores, and even bacteria and viruses. So I don't know what it was that was keeping them up, but it is now gone. So Air Doctor comes with a 30-day Breathe Easy money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, send it back for a refund minus shipping. Head to airdoctorpro.com. Use promo code fasting for life to receive up to $300 off air purifiers. An exclusive listener um, offer for you as well. You'll receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. That's exclusive to you, the podcast listener, now hearing this in real time. Lock this special offer by going to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code fasting for life. You guys know that we are very particular with who we partner with. And if it wasn't for this incredible company and this, the incredible results that we've seen, I would not be encouraging you to head to the website and take advantage of the fasting for life promo code. So if you support our sponsors, you are ultimately supporting us. We are grateful for you listening in and now back to today's episode. Yeah, I want to go back to highlight two things because the consistency piece, that building block piece is key, right? So we saw in these first two, you know, that we mentioned a decrease in glucose, right? And a decrease in leptin, great. But adiponectin also went up in that first study. And I forgot mm. to mention it, but adiponectin is released from your fat cells, which actually yeah. helps your insulin work better. It helps your insulin sensitivity yeah, and inflammation. Wow. So low levels of adiponectin are associated with obesity. So yeah, I would expect in a healthy non-obese person, boom, fat cells, let's tap into them, let's burn, and we're going to get an increased result that you may not think about, like, oh, the scale didn't move. Mm. Well, your adiponectin did. Your fat cells did something, right? Yeah, that's a good thing. You might yeah. not be seeing it yet, right? And then the second one was in the study that you mentioned, Tommy, 
the decrease in insulin, and this is something we talk a lot about in terms of figuring out the right fasting. One of the biggest questions we get is, well, how should I fast and then what should I eat, right? Like how sure. long should yeah. I fast for? Well, consistently <laughs> is how long yeah. you should fast <laughs> for, okay? 36 hour fasting intervals was in this 22 day study in this non-obese adults, right? And that's where we saw the insulin change. So mm, that point. 36 hour marker for diabetics, pre-diabetics is really powerful because that's when your insulin gets significantly lower. Yeah. And that's that marker that we want to hit. So hopefully that resonates with you guys out there that are in that situation. But that was a big takeaway that I didn't just want to gloss over. Yeah, great point. Another one that that hit the insulin as well was using greater than 24 hour markers, yep. fasting times to the 28 hour mark. And then they started to see the insulin marker move. And then that one that you just talked about that 36 hours. Yeah, that, that's a great point because I don't hear a whole lot of people going, yeah, I, I dabbled with fasting and I did a bunch of 36 hours, but I didn't really see any, you know, anything start to change, right? If you're doing a bunch of 36 hours, I mean, you're, you're going to see a result. Yeah. Unless you are doing, you know, just off the rails, mm. fast food, processed food, severe yeah. consumption, alcohol, right? Like big highs and lows, right? Yeah. Like, like a big, yeah. yeah. Or, or the potential of insulin dependent diabetes. You might not see the changes either, but you should be able to see the change then in the amount of insulin you need and in mm. your blood sugar numbers. You might not see the scale change, yeah. but you're going to see the metabolic stuff change, which is why I love the title of this article again, which was the intermittent fasting in human metabolic health, right? So what are we talking yeah. about here? We want to make some of these extrapolations to real life application, right? Not just, oh, this yeah. is a cool study, right? Like, oh, this was done in rodents. Okay, well, this was done in humans, right? That 28 hour fast, Mark, that you just mentioned, you know, you saw your HDL and LDL go up slightly. And there's another study in here where your triglycerides go up. Mm -hmm. People are like, oh, triglycerides, that's not good. Well, you're burning fat, you're breaking down the fat molecule, you have more of it in your bloodstream short term. That's why we did a whole episode and conversation, multiple ones around, you know, should you fast going into blood work? What could you expect to see in the short term? You will yeah. see short-term elevation, but long-term you will see these HDL go up, LDL come down and triglycerides go down with that. Consistent, again, consistent fasting. Yeah, the important part being not to see that, be super shocked by it, then get scared away yeah. from the method that's working, right? right? Right. Yeah, yeah, that's a huge point right there. Yep, I like this under the modified fasting regimens. This is an older study in 1998, overweight or obese diabetics. So 20 weeks, right? One day per week fast or okay. five day consecutive fast every five weeks. But on your fasting days, you were still able to eat four to 600 calories. calories. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right? Yeah. That's not a lot of fasting in there. No, no. So insulin resistant folks, right? Overweight or obese diabetics. Yeah. So not significant not statistically significant my goodness gonna have to no don't edit these out okay <laughs> not statistically significant glucose or insulin changes mm. so you're fasting one day you're a diabetic you're overweight yeah you're kind of fasting one day you're kind of fasting yeah. okay so it's not again not like an aha right okay well yeah that didn't really prove anything you're not consistently doing it you can't yeah. work out one day a week and expect your body composition to really change that much. You can't brush sure. your teeth once a week and expect to go to the dentist at your six month check and be like, wow, your teeth are in great, great shape. 
Yeah, because yeah, I, I was eat doing air. a modified. I was doing a modified teeth brushing right. regimen, right? Right, right. Modified <laughs> teeth brushing, right? So then, yeah, yeah there's there's a couple more in this category that I like too. Yeah, you know, so as the weight ticks up and as the fasting ticks up, like we get to see more impact on the things that matter. So one that really kind of stuck out to me here was obese adults. Eight weeks, they were doing an alternate day fasting method, which is powerful. We've talked about it in the past. They yep. decreased LDL. And they decreased triglycerides on that one as well. So that was really cool. And that was over an eight week period. So we're not just looking at like two or three weeks or so. I mean, this was two months of consistent alternate day fasting to start moving the needle there on some important blood markers that a lot of us are looking to improve, right? Yeah. Yeah. In that same category, the other one was eight weeks as well. 20% decrease of usual intake of caloric intake on alternate days. But here's Mm. the catch. Add libidum diet on non-fasting days. Ooh, oh, I thought a, I could fast and just slope. and just eat whatever I want. And we just recorded yeah. an episode recently where we talked about asthma medications because this study was done in overweight adults with asthma. Advair, corticosteroids, yeah. inhalers, like those mm-hmm. types of medications can have effects on your insulin and blood sugar regulation, right? Yeah. So in the study, they saw uh, you know decrease in triglycerides, not statistically significant results in other things like glucose and insulin and LDL but like a 20% reduction, but then you're easily able to undo 20% on an ad libitum fasting day, right? Right. There are studies for you thinking, well, does that mean that I'll binge on the days if I do ADF? Well, one of the things you need to do is put some intention into those eating days, but there are some studies out there that actually show that you don't overconsume. Yeah. Because it's hard to do, but 20%, it's not that big. Yeah. Like I can mess up 20% with an order from Pizza Hut. Sure. Easily. Or a restaurant meal with some drinks or a date night, right? So the interesting thing about this one that I wanted to hit on was that there was a decrease in BDNF. Typically, what we see when you get past the 24-hour mark, right? So again, these are alternate day. When you get past the 24-hour mark is you see an increase in BDNF, which is brain-derived nootrophic factor, which is fuel for your brain, that euphoric Oh man, I finally broke through that wall that I kept hitting with my fasting. I woke up tired. My sleep was off. I just, ugh, right? Once you get the feeling, that's the BDNF component. But this is what I took out of this one. On your non-fasting days, if you add the BDNF, you can eat whatever you want, as much of it as you want. Your body then has to process all of that, get the insulin down for then the BDNF to raise. So 24 hours probably isn't going to be enough time, just like you can undo the 20%. Man, that's a great point, because if you have no planning going into those feeding days, if you're thinking about it like as a refueling days, which we hear, you know, that almost sounds like, hey, let me just bring in some more. Right. But the balance there is that like there's there's no net room for any improvement to really happen because I I got a little bit of improvement over here and then I undid it all the very next day. And I just keep cycling through that. And the trouble is an article like this can be so heavily cited that if you you see that and you go, well, it, you know, maybe this fasting thing's not that effective, or I tried that and it, it didn't work right there. There are some some really good reasons why some of these just aren't that effective. But we start breaking them down and looking at them in in the big picture for for consistency for long term application. It starts to make sense, you know. We, we start to like dissolve some of those question marks for could this actually work for me? Yeah. And so there's there's a study with women here and it says young women, but when we look it up, it's premenopausal women, right? And okay. this one was interesting to me. 
Young, overweight, or obese adults, females, 106 females. This was over six months. Wow. And this was a 25% energy restriction two days per week, right? And the control group was 25% restriction seven days a week. Mm. Not statistically significant change in LDL, HDL, triglycerides, glucose, CRP, which is inflammation, adiponectin, leptin, BDN, none of it. But guess what? What? The key player that we want to hear change is insulin. And in this study, even with that oddly constructed control group (laughs) versus study group, the insulin still came down, which is Mm -hmm. still a victory. Yeah. It works. It still works. But not when you may, you may notice. If you're doing right, it. even if you're doing something right, you might not. We see can't the take our, change, our yeah. insulin at home. So, yeah. how are you feeling? What's your energy like? Are the clothes fitting different? How are your cravings? What's yeah. your sleep? What's your stress? Are you hydrated? Are you working out? Overworking out? Are you wired and tired? What does your plate look like? Right. So, again, back to the conversation where we started this episode was yeah, this is a hosh posh, right? It's like, whoa, all of these things. We're going to simplify here in just a minute. Don't worry. Tommy, there was a couple more. I personally want to highlight one more which is the time-restricted feeding study. And this one was a eight-week period with one meal per day compared Mm -hmm. to eight weeks of three meals per day. And this was in normal weight, middle-aged men and women. Okay. And the number one thing that you saw, so normal weight, middle-aged, so no insulin resistance, right? Yeah, right. Right, again, short-term, glucose came down, benefit, Ding, 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 ding. And the HDL went up. Ding, 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 ding. Great. LDL came down. Awesome. But then again, triglycerides went up. Yeah. Short term. Retest in six months, triglycerides are going to be down. Right. They will come down. So this is the stuff that when we're looking at the research and we're looking at how do we apply this to our life? Well, what are you going to run into when you start fasting? And the scale moves a little bit, but then you go get your yearly physical and your numbers are off. Yeah. That doesn't mean it's not working. Yeah. Don't get scared away from what's working, right? Like keep doing what's working. And yeah, that's cool because it can take some time for those things to balance out for a whole lot of reasons. And that gets back into what we oftentimes say, which is that we didn't get here overnight. We didn't get here needing to undo, you know, 10, 20, 50 pounds or 10, 20, 50 years worth of, you know, metabolic change and increasing weight and increasing inflammation. So let's, let's make sure we have perspective on the time that it takes to kind of undo these things too. So like just, just some really promising things in here that show the better we get at our fasting, the more consistently we're doing it, the more we can really move the needle in the right direction. I love that. And they even say here, large scale randomized trials of intermittent fasting regimens and free living adults are needed and should be last for at least a year to see if behavioral and metabolic changes are sustainable sure. and whether they have long-term effects on biomarkers, you know, just continue with that thought process, right? Sure. So but I love this here. I love this part because this is a lot of the stuff that we talk about. We've done episodes on all of this. Future studies should incorporate objective measures on energy intake, sleep, and energy expenditure, assess numerous markers of disease risk. We talk about Mm -hmm. the episode where eight out of the 10 top causes of death in the country are related to blood sugar imbalances. Yeah. And diabetes is one of those things on that list, but it's all the stuff related to it as well. Insulin, et cetera. 
and then enroll diverse populations who suffer from obesity and health-related issues. So there isn't just a one overarching, this is fact. For instance, like creatine in muscle growth. Creatine is the most studied supplement on the planet. <laughs> and it is, it is known that it is the most effective and safe way to help your body create muscle gains. Hmm. We know it, it is fact. When it comes to fasting, there's a lot of hosh posh. And that was kind of the takeaway from today's episode that don't get discouraged by the little things here and there. Focus yeah. on the things that you can control, simplify the process and stay consistent. Yeah, I think part of simplifying is, is taking just a little bit of perspective. One is what are you looking to do? Like, are you looking to lower a certain marker, you know, that you, you heard, you know, cited in one of those studies, are you looking to drop five pounds or 25 pounds? Like, like what's the purpose behind it? So then you can have some perspective on, you know, maybe how long it might take, but also the fact that if you just went back to exactly what you were doing before you did the fasting, before you got the result you were looking for, you're likely to go back towards the, the previous result too. So then the next question becomes, how do I adapt this for, for long-term sustainability? That's an important part of the equation too, because if I, if I go into this knowing that I'll change the method over time, it's not going to be the exact same. That can feel even more like applicable and sustainable for me and, and more realistic to get to the goals I'm looking for. So step one would be that a little perspective, but step two would be actually implementing something that starts to move the needle. That which, is consistent. You know, right. Yes. Not like a lot of these studies. Okay. That is yeah. consistent day to day. <laughs> yeah. It shouldn't just feel random day to day. That's not, that's not a great way to go about it. Like choose one. If you're not really sure where to go, I encourage you download the fast start guide that we have on the website, thefastingforlife.com. It's going to help you with one of the most effective methods that we really like to keep it simple and effective, which is one meal a day. It's simply understanding how to structure your day around one meal a day, because that is a powerful, powerful way to lower blood sugar, lower insulin, and, and really get the needle moving, get the scale moving, you know, in a way that you can see yourself doing, and then you can start to work out some more of the details from there. One meal a day fasting for fat loss, a fat loss tool, using one meal a day to lose the weight. So, You've got one meal a day. You're like, I've done intermittent. I haven't seen it change. Okay. Well, consistency, right? So we want to stay consistent. So we want to use one meal a day as a fat loss tool. It is going to stack the deck in your favor. It is going to give you consistency. It is going to allow you to insulate yourself, get in a good calorie deficit. It's going to give you some of the benefits that we just talked about and really focusing on just one main thing that you can do. So simplify, 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 simplify. And that's why we feel one meal a day is that great on-ramp into pushing that, that weight loss and that motivation. So yeah. head to the website, thefastingforlife.com. You can go to the resources. You can head to the Facebook community group that we have created where it is like-minded fasters. Most of them come from finding us and listening to the podcast. A lot of the mm -hmm. fasting for lifers and the fasting for life lifestylers are in there. Um, Tommy and I are in there. We've got great moderators, great conversation, encouragement, yeah. fasting buddies. You can get the fast start guide in there as well. So mm -hmm. you can head there. It's in the show notes. 
We can email it to you, but we definitely do recommend if you've been off, you want to get back on, you want to go to the next level, or you're even new to fasting, it is an absolute great place to start. So absolutely, Tommy, as always, fun conversation today. Thank you so much. Appreciate all of you guys listening, and uh, we'll talk soon. Cool. Thank you. So you've heard today's episode and you may be wondering, where do I start? Head on over to thefastingforlife.com and sign up for our newsletter where you'll receive fasting tips and strategies to maximize results and fit fasting into your day-to-day life. While you're there, download your free fast start guide to get started today. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to leave us a five-star review and we'll be back next week with another episode of Fasting for Life. Fasting for Life.